Again, we're talking about the body of Christ and our identity. And we've been wanting to uh, instill in you God's intention. What is God's intention? And remember, we began uh, with a question uh, to understand God's question, God's intention. And before we get into that, I want to thank my wife and all the staff as I was away ministering to my brother. I uh, got some really good news today regarding him, and uh, uh, he is on his way to recovery, and, and I'm really excited about what God's going to do for his future and for the future of uh, my brother. And Larry, if you're listening to this, uh, just know that your brother loves you. So does Valley Community. The question I, I started with was this. Concerning the body of Christ, what does God need? <laughs> and we found out that God doesn't need anything. God is self-existent. There's no beginning or end. God is self-sufficient. He needs no outside help. God is self-sustaining. We found that out of himself, he stays the same. He's already done the work. He's already prepared things for you and I, the body of Christ, to walk in. So God's intention is amazing, and this is what we have learned so far. Out of himself, God, he created a principle. It is that the body of Christ is to coexist with God, who didn't need anything. So we can partner with God to get things done on this earth. That was God's intention of creating us. We asked now, last time together, this question, have you decided to partner with God? Have you decided, okay, I've gone through this whole religious thing now, trying to figure out, trying to do better, trying to be better, trying to figure life out, trying to figure out why I feel the way I feel, why I do the way I do, now I'm just going to realize God created me something very special, and I'm going to decide to partner with him now. I am going to accomplish what God called me to accomplish on this earth. And I'm asking you, have you decided to do that? We learned also that God is never going to do your part. In doing your part, it is saturated with love and honor. We found out that in doing things for the kingdom of God, it is always just like butter melting into popcorn. Is love and honor is what it's all about. And when we learn to recognize that there are many times that we try to do things, but we're doing it out of need, we're doing it out of hurt, we're doing it out of, out of there's an emergency that's happening and the reality is, is that every time we do things, we need to do it out of love and honor. Honoring God, honoring others. Second of all, in this partnering with God, your part is never supernatural. We talked about Adam naming the animals. That God had the power to do that, but because of the principle that he created to coexist and to work with you, to create you, to do these things, that he doesn't do it. He allows you 
to do it, decide to move into it, and his power follows suit. We talked about David and Goliath. Remember that. We really spent some time with David and Goliath in the heart of David. And David slew the giant. By power, God could have done that. But because of principle, he didn't. Moses part of the Red Sea. By power, God could have done that, but because of the principle, he chose man. He chose you. Why did God create you? Why, why did God create the body of Christ? Why are, is it now called the church? When we find that in the book of Acts, the church began. The simplicity of acting and believing on God's word, that's what we're learning, and that's what we're uh, doing in a greater way at Valley Community. And that's why you're seeing the many different ministries and, and the home groups that are going to begin in a greater realm. Because you are called of God. You have an ability to help transform other lives. God, is, his intention is to create you to do specific, purposeful things. And we found our part is first. God already defeated death, hell, and the grave. Jesus Christ, one man, went to the cross and gave back the authority to the body of Christ called the church. And I used this term a little bit earlier because I want to really impress you with this. Not impress you as in, wow, I want to impress your heart and your thinking with this. You are not trying to do better anymore. Stop trying to do better. You are redeemed. You are sons and daughters and can do kingdom work. Many times people fail. Many times people struggle is because they really don't know who they are. They really don't know how important they are. You are important in the kingdom of God. No matter where you've been, you are important. Stop degrading the work of Christ. So let's now ask this question of God's in, intention regarding the body of Christ. So if God doesn't need anything, why did he decide to cooperate or work with us? So now in the next couple of weeks, we're going to find out why. Why did God do that? I mean, think about it. A God that doesn't need anything, the God that has all power, God that created everything, why in the world would we create a bunch of people that mess up? Really? You know, it's kind of like, you know, today you're driving around, you come in the parking lot with a Corvette, brand new Corvette. Everything just, I mean, you start that engine, just purrs, right? And it can go. And then you think, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to go buy a Pinto. Why, why would God go from a Corvette to a Pinto? Because that's the way people look at themselves. They think of themselves as a Pinto and not the Corvette. I want to tell you, you're the Corvette. God created you amazingly, and man, I am finding the curse of losing buttons. <laughs> it's somewhere around here. Amen. Better stop buying my coats at Kohl's, huh? Go to Nordstrom's or something. Anyways. <laughs> so 
So if God doesn't need anything, why did he decide to cooperate or work with us? God decided to work and cooperate with you because simply God wants you. Come on, pastor. Yeah, God wants you. And we're going to see why God wants you. So we're going to give you three reasons why God wanted you, the body of Christ. The first is something we have talked about immensely in the years that Terry and I have been pastoring. God, who doesn't need a thing, created you in his image. This is so important to make a decision, or let me say it this way, every decision and corresponding action action with this truth. We need to correspond with God. We need to literally understand God created me in his image. God created you in his image. And every action or thing you say or thing you do, or the way you think, must be thought as you're created in the image of God. The simple reason why I know God wants you is he created you. God creates everything with purpose and reason. God did not have to create us, and even though he created us for fellowship, he didn't need fellowship. You ever heard that teaching? God needed fellowship. He was lonely. No, he wasn't. He wasn't lonely. God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit had perfect fellowship before we came along. The Godhead had a perfect unity before we came along. God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit never had an argument. They never had a difference of opinion. They were in total agreement. So why would God create you and me? The answer is that God wanted us. Church, God wants you. Turn to your neighbor and says, God wants me. God created you, but goes a step further and created you in his image. What does that mean? Oh, I don't know, Pastor. Well, let me tell you what it means. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it says, Then God said, Let us, notice us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Make man in our, plural, image, in our likeness, and let them, male and female, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So we must understand, Scripture tells us God created nothing else in his image. And God created all. Acts 17, we read this earlier in this series. Verse 24 says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor does he worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. There is no river in the image of God. There is no cow in the image of God. There is no angel in the 
created in the image of God? There's only you and me created in the image of God. So how do I know God wants and loves me? As he created me in his image. Now, before I go on, remember in his image. God needed nothing. God never had an argument. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Total agreement. Total unity. Needed nothing. And he created you in his image, and scripture says, and his likeness. Verse 19 of Genesis 2. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Notice the word but. Very important. Verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of the ribs, closed up the flesh in its place, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, geez. Oh, no, he didn't say it. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. We must recognize he created all of us in the image of God. So go back to verse 20. And this is where I want to now slow down and begin to pierce the hearts of every one of you with a truth that will transform your thinking from now forever. You ready? Amen. You ready? Okay. Verse 20. But, everyone say but. For Adam... There was not found a helper comparable to him. God created you in his image and his likeness. But for Adam, there wasn't anyone comparable to who he was. He had cows, he had all kinds of hippopotamuses, elephants, whatever. You ever wonder why this was stated, but for Adam, there was not found? Trying to sound like the guy who reads scripture, but for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Did Adam go to God and say, I'm lonely? Or did God say, man, I created you man's best friend, a dog. You should be happy. (laughs) But for Adam, there was not found. Adam, he was looking for a companion. Adam didn't find one. He goes to sleep and wakes up, and he says, whoa, man. (laughs) That's how she got her name. (laughs) So Adam says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She is like me. She is in my image. I have to stop there because it just hits my spirit. You and I are created in the image of God. Adam could not find someone that was comparable 
to him someone that was created in the image of God. No animal, people that worship animals, it's ridiculous. People that worship angels, it's ridiculous. The image of God. And what the scripture is telling us, how important and the intention of why God created us. Let's get back to our topic that God wants you. So the question is, how did God know Eve would satisfy the desire Adam had in his heart? You know, why didn't God just make Adam a football? Or put a remote control in his hand? (laughs) How did God know the woman will fulfill Adam? The answer is, God made someone that looks like him, that acts like he acts, walks like he walks, talks and thinks like he does. And I just want to tell you, this was before the fall, where there is no sin, no ulterior motive. God makes someone just like he is, man, and that man wants something. Are you catching this? What did Adam want? Adam wanted a friend, a companion. How do I know God wants you? He created someone just like him, and that creation wanted someone just like God. Marriage is the picture, the perfect picture of our relationship with God. You see, that's why I know that God wants you and me, the body of Christ. It's the perfect picture of how we relate. It's the perfect picture of how we see one another, how we honor, how we love, how we esteem highly one another. That's the perfect picture of the Trinity, how God has created us in their image and likeness. And when the body of Christ realizes how powerful it is to be created in the image and the likeness of God, and we have perfect ability to accomplish the very purposes that God has set apart in our life. Nothing can stand in the way. Nothing can hinder what you are called to do when you see yourself and you honor and you relate with God as you relate with one another. We see the picture of Mark chapter 6 when, where Jesus was born and they saw him as a carpenter and all the different things. They became offended with him and, and God could not, Jesus could not do any miracles, just a few healings. We see in the picture throughout the word of God that he talks about uh, honor and talks about love. And he talks about how that the body of Christ was created perfectly and redeemed to be able to accomplish the very thing. See, the redemption, the blood of Jesus Christ puts us in the same place that Adam and Eve were before the fall. 
The only difference is you and I have flesh. See, God is thrilled you came here to meet him today in church. When you get up and you get dressed and you drive to church and you walk to church and you take the bus to church and you ride your motorcycle to church, God is thrilled that you are here. He says, don't forsake the assembling together of the believers. He's telling us that we are so important, that we are so created in the image and the likeness of God that if we will recognize the actual power that manifests when God's people come in unity, when God's people gather, gather together and understand the reason why they were created, that God wants us, he's gifted us, he's given us all things to be able to accomplish in this earth. Pastor Dan said it earlier that we have it now. It is now. It is today. But we have struggle with it because we don't see ourselves as Adam saw Eve. Created in his image and likeness. I could talk about how that God uh, squeezed Adam out and that he fashioned Eve. I like that. But we have to get to a place of why did God create you and me? Because he wants you. And I always ask myself a question, how come people struggle with wanting God? Hmm. Let me ask you this. Remember the story about the disciples were in the boat? And Peter jumped out of the boat, started walking towards Jesus. Let me ask you this. Are you ready to jump out of the boat? Are you really ready to jump out of the boat? Are you ready to begin to live your life based upon the, uh, the understanding that God's intention is to create you in his image and likeness and he just, just downright wants you? And that you are what he wants but pastor, I got to get better. No, you don't. Are you saying God messed up? We're always trying to better our flesh instead of being what we're created to be and what we are born again recreated to be. We struggle with the flesh when God says, I've given you all things. When you created in his image and likeness, you have the ability to do everything in line with God. How do you know that? Because you're created in his image and likeness. How do you know that? Because he wants you. Because in the creation of, of Adam and Eve, Adam saw the perfectness of Eve. I know where most of your minds go to. When I said, whoa, man, the reality is, is that you're created in the image of God. When you walk in that, it fulfills every area of your life. 
So what I'm saying is don't be a boat potato. There is a story in the Bible where Peter is in a boat and Jesus comes to see them. And it's in Matthew 14. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. <laughs> I wish I could have been there. That would have been so cool. Verse 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Notice what Peter does. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now we know the full story of that. But let me just talk to you now, the body of Christ, the church. Water walking requires not only courage to take a risk, but also the wisdom to discern the call to go deep with God. Peter asked permission. And Jesus said, come. To go deep with God, you need to be so focused on Christ, the Word of God. And then you begin to walk in the wisdom and the knowledge of that Word and you begin to attain the things that God has told you to do. You need to take risks. Well, I don't know if I do that. I might, you know, they might get upset with me if I. You need to take risks. You need to go after what God is saying to you. You might be, you know, scared because you're thinking it's a ghost, it's not you, it's the enemy, whatever. But you need to take risks when God is calling you to do the things that you're called to do. You need to go deep. It's kind of like if a man, a man appears before the pearly gates. And Peter says, have you ever done anything of particular merit? The man pauses for a second. Well, I can think of one thing the man offers. Once I came upon a gang of bikers who were threatening a young woman. I directed them to leave her alone, but they wouldn't listen. So I approached the largest and most heavily tattooed biker. I smacked him on the head. I kicked the bike over, ripped out his nose ring, and threw it to the ground. I told him, you leave her alone now or you will answer to me. So Peter was intrigued and St. Peter was impressed and asked, well, when did this happen? And the guy answered, a couple minutes ago. You need to take a risk. You need to get out of the boat. You need to stop allowing the same stuff that has carried on for generations in your family's life. You need to get out of the boat and you need to go and walk on some water. 
In the story, Peter doesn't just jump out of the boat. He asks permission. Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. See, all other stories, Peter was impulsive. You know, we're always picking on Peter, you know. I think Peter was chosen so that we had someone to pick on. (laughs) Remember the Mount of Transfiguration? He just thought it was cool because these guys show up with Jesus. And uh, he says, hey, man, let's build some tents for him. I like this feeling. I like this place. Let's build some tents. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus goes and prays. And he says, I want you to stay right here. He, He grabs a few that are close to him that are really starting to grow with him, and he's wanting them to risk. He's wanting them to move forward. He's wanting them to uh, get to that greater place, walking with him in a relationship with him. See, it's not just that Jesus thought, you know, I'm going to offend the other guys, and I'm going to take three and say, they're my besties, they're my friends. You know, and no, that's not what he's doing. You know what he's doing? Is he's seeing these three guys are going to be the ones that are going to be the major leaders of the church. And so he takes them forward, and he's telling them, now I want you to wait here for about an hour. I want you to, and what he's saying, he wants them to start taking risks and start taking leadership and start becoming the body of Christ, walking in the anointing and the power of God and knowing who they are, not letting regular life ruin them or letting regular life, you know, cause them to do things that are wrong. Because the enemy will do that to you. The enemy will come at you and he'll just say, you know what? You're worthless. You're nothing. He's the accuser of the brethren. He will tell you, you have screwed up. Look what you're thinking. Look what you did. And I want you to tell him and say, you know, jump in your lake of fire. Say other words, but you're growing in the Lord. You don't need to say those words. Amen? And, and so you begin to move in that realm, and then you, you say, no, I am not going to listen to that, and I'm not going to blame why I do what I do on something else. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to see who I am. I'm going to see as Adam saw Eve, as Adam saw bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, created in the image I'm going to see myself as that, and I'm no longer going to allow life to lead me. I'm going to be led of the Word and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be led of my spirit. I'm going to be the man. I'm going to be the woman that says, no longer is this going to happen. No more excuse. Are you with me? I'm going to be the man. I'm going to be the woman. That's going to be the one that does the work of the Lord. I'm going to be the one that walks on the water. Everybody picks on Peter, but who got out of the boat? Amen? The Garden of Gethsemane. Now, don't go chopping off anybody's ear. But he wanted to protect the kingdom of God. He was willing to fight for it. He was willing to fight for peace. He was willing to fight for the glory of redemption. 
He was willing to fight for the glory of the cross. There should be more songs written about that. That proclaims what the cross did and willing to fight for it. And we need to get to a place in our lives that when we say something to God, we're saying it in honor and wisdom and revelation of the word of God, proclaiming the word of God. And what God will do is God will say something to you. He'll say, come. He'll say, do this. Remember we talked about, you know, we do it first. People are waiting on the Lord and they've been waiting all their life. I'm the Lord, and God says, wait a minute. No, I've already done my work. I've defeated death, hell, and the grave. Now I want you to begin to walk and do the things I've asked you to do. One time Peter said something, and Jesus was so, like, with Peter, he said, get behind me, Satan. Have you ever wondered some of the wisdom that we thought we had, I've wondered that. There are some things that I've said that the Holy Spirit said, get behind me, Satan. Like, it'll never work. God, how come you're not doing something? Here's a crucial truth of walking on water or having a deep relationship with Christ. Peter is not in charge of the water walking. Everybody wants a miracle. How many of you agree walking on water is a miracle? You ever tried that? (laughs) Unless it's frozen, you can't do it. God wants you because you are a reflection of his image. God is so pleased with who you were created to be. We work so hard at pleasing God when we've already pleased God. Because the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin. We're created in his image and likeness, and we please him. We're in total unity. We're total agreement with him in our redemption. Literally, the Bible says that your spirit will, not, will never sin. Do you know that? Your spirit will never sin. It's your flesh. When you begin to realize who you really are, creating the image and likeness of God, your spirit, you live by your spirit, your flesh has no more control. And then you get in the word of God, and then you submit to the things of God, his word. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, he will raise you up, lift you up. Whew. If I had time, I'd, I'd talk to you about the Greek in that, mess, that scripture. You must recognize, church, how amazingly perfect God's intention is. 
And when he created all things, it was good. And when he created you, it was in his image. So you, why do we, why do we know that we're wanted? Is because we're in his image and likeness. And God wants to be around his image and likeness. Adam said it again, covenant, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. Whew. God wants you because you are a reflection of his image. Now let me just say this to you, and we're going to move on this next time together. It's your call. It's your purpose. And you are a mission from God. You have been placed on this earth with such importance, you are a mission from God. Your gifting, your skill sets, everything that you are, are a mission from God. Will you accept that? Will you believe that? Will you say with all the stuff, all the insecurities, all the stuff that goes on, will you grab hold of the truth that you are so vital and important for the kingdom of God? You are that mission. Amen. I just want to see everybody's eyeballs. Let's all stand.